As Washington's shutdown closes in on a month, there's even less optimism than usual these days about the federal government and its ability to solve problems. So today, we thought we'd inject the littlest bit of hope and talk about one of the few bipartisan accomplishments in Washington over the last two years. I'm Alex Ewell. Welcome to The Readback. This week, I'm joined by Barron's senior writer, Mary Childs, who's made it her personal quest to cover Opportunity Zones, a small but important piece of the 2017 tax law we've all heard so much about. Hey, Mary, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm looking at a map in the United States that I've actually never seen before. It's mostly yellow. There are a few dots of blue scattered around the country, though mostly in kind of the middle of the country. You've been looking at this map a lot. Tell us what I'm seeing. So this map is a reflection of the areas in America that need capital, that governors have delineated as low income by various metrics and ripe for an investment of capital under this new program in qualified opportunity funds. So these are the qualified opportunity zones? Correct. So basically, what an investor, any investor, any person with capital gains can do is take that money out of whatever investment made the money. That can be your Modigliani that you just sold. That can be shares of Apple. That can be your house. Within 180 days of removing that money from whatever made you the money, You can invest it in a qualified opportunity fund, which then goes out and finds things to buy in these little blue zones, qualified opportunity zones. And under the tax bill, if you hold that for 10 years, that investment, you will end up paying 0% taxes on any gains that that money makes. And I get a break on that original capital gain that I took. That's correct. So that original investment, that capital gain money that you took out of your Modigliani, you will only pay on 85% of that. So you basically, it's 15% off. And it's worth pointing out that we've spent 10 years in this bull market. There are a lot of capital gains going around these days, right? Exactly. There's a ton of money sloshing around looking for a home. And people are anxious about the end of the cycle. So if you're worried, just funnel it into one of these underprivileged zones. So good for your tax bill and hopefully good for America. That's the hope. And you're telling me this actually came out of our tax bill in 2017? That's right. actually a bipartisan effort, which is amazing. How did that even happen? Well, the gods smiled. It was a miracle. So this is largely actually the brainchild of, do you know who Sean Parker is? Remember Napster? The Facebook guy, right? Sean Parker, the billionaire tech guru who befriended Mark Zuckerberg and shaped Facebook's early days. That's right. The guy who said, you know what's cool, a billion dollars. So that guy, along with two other people, including one Obama aide, Steve Glickman, they kind of decided that a lot of the country had been left behind by a lot of the economic resurgence post-crisis and maybe even before and that, you know, we have Silicon Valley, which is like doing so great. And oh, my God, rent in San Francisco is insane. And we have L.A., New York, all these coastal cities that are doing so well while the rest of the country languishes. And this kind of economic disparity, I mean, how is that going to continue? What's the what's the projection for that with AI and automation? It's not great. So This program, Sean Parker, Glickman, all these people kind of came together and worked with Cory Booker and others to craft this legislation to help revitalize these parts of the country that got left behind. Do we know so far how much money has actually been plowed into these qualified opportunity zones? Not yet. It's still kind of the pictures emerging. But um, Morgan Stanley and the Economic Innovation Group, which is Sean Parker, et cetera, is a think tank. They estimate that there's some six trillion of capital gains waiting to take advantage of a project just like this. 
So now I think we all understand a bit more about the opportunity and the opportunity zones. For the investor out there, maybe who has some capital gains, not not six trillion, but a few thousand dollars of capital gains, can this actually work for them? And will this work for the individual investor? Absolutely. Yeah. So if you have any capital gains of any kind, I don't know if you should call your RIA first or your lawyer or your accountant. But yes, if you feel nervous about the economic cycle or the market cycle or whatever, you are well within your rights to pull that money out and then go buy an awesome building or find your buddy who runs a company in his own and invest in their business. Like This is a great opportunity for you. So this is our first infomercial on the readback. That's right. But, but I'm loving it. <laughs> All right. Just to push back on that a little bit, this sounds amazing for tax attorneys, mm-hmm. developers, very wealthy people. Mm-hmm. For wealthy investors, all of that's going to be extremely awesome for you. The people that I'm worried about getting lost in the mix here are obviously the people in these zones right now. Like the are actual th- Americans. The actual Americans that we're really seeking to help. Now, I will say the legislation was crafted with this in mind in some ways, and they're only – I mean, it's it's a good idea. It's really well-intentioned. There are guardrails trying to keep it – on the up and up and not hurting these communities, but it is, as one person put it to me, a crowbar for gentrification. Wow. I love that quote. Can you talk to us about it a little bit more? Yeah. So I think because the real estate rules are so clear and because our muscle memory in real estate is so strong, I was in a cab this weekend and there was an ad for like, learn how to flip houses with no money of your own, use outside money. So from that perspective, the idea of this is just pour your money into these zones that would have been gentrified over five to 10 years, and they will be flipped, just fully gentrified in, you know, two years. So the question is, what is that? What do we mean when we say gentrification? What is that about? We're talking about people who live in that area who abruptly will no longer be able to afford to stay. They won't be able to afford their property taxes. They won't be able to afford the restaurant that just opened down the street that's like vegan and really good and so fancy and Michelin starred. They, they're just displaced from their own community, people who have lived there for ages. That's messed up. Like there's something, I mean, that's a natural cycle and you have to kind of think about, you know, in our society, we've been dealing with this for a long time. You look at neighborhoods throughout New York, San Francisco, it doesn't, you know, D.C., Anacostia is really gentrified over the past couple of years, which is just wild. Is this a good thing for those people that live there? Is this a good thing for those people coming in? Like who's benefiting and how? And it's really hard to guard against. This legislation, they obviously thought about that, but there's kind of a question of, well, what do you want? And what have the politics become in the years since it's passed? Are there a lot of community-based interest groups that are really worried about this? Are some of them still pushing the idea? Have you gotten any sense for that? It's it's such a strong opportunity in many ways that people people are anxious in the communities that I've talked to, but they're also like, there is a potential for this to go well. There is a world in which, you know, if we get clarity from Treasury, if we manage to kind of find ways to connect money and people who are already here. Yeah, that could work. There's a there's a world in which that works and you know, I don't really think it'll go this way, but I'm so hopeful it might. So, just to push back on yet another point of this, you've done a lot of reporting on this. The stories are great. One of the points you make is that Brooklyn Heights is one of the opportunity zones. I've been to Brooklyn Heights. It's a really nice neighborhood. Yeah. How did that happen? So it's very hard to apparently target with precision some of these neighborhoods. So Brooklyn Heights, I guess, kind of falls off at certain points. And the governors that chose these zones, right, so they worked with governors to try to delineate what should be an opportunity zone and what shouldn't and get some of the and mayors and talk to a bunch of people to get input, which is great and responsible. But, you know, if you're a mayor or a governor and you're measured on the improving economic activity, you're not perhaps, like, yes, these are your constituents, but you're maybe more excited about the influx of capital than you are 
if you're just a resident. A lot of these opportunity zones appear to be on the cusp of gentrification. They're like about to be gentrified. And this pulls that forward very easily. But the question is, if you had chosen a really, really downtrodden, not about to be gentrified zone area for this kind of influx of capital, that would maybe, you know, just be pouring money into a black hole where it's not going to catch traction and actually boost economic activity and provide opportunities for people. So there is this like, yes, sometimes governors seem to have chosen zone areas where there's enough economic activity that why do they even really need this capital? But the flip side of that is you do want it to work. Got it. So Brooklyn Heights is probably going to get even nicer and property there will probably get more expensive in the coming years. Probably, yeah. I feel like we didn't hear that much about this when the tax law first came out. So I think there are a number of reasons as to why it didn't get that much coverage initially. First of all, there was just so much chaos around it. And the the big headline was obviously like tax cuts, corporate tax cuts, whatever. Secondly, there was a lot of confusion, too. It needs clarity from Treasury. It needs clarity before anybody can actually do anything. So there was this kind of lag before we got any guidance from Treasury on a bunch of different points. The government is shut down. Right. That's probably not helping things on the clarification right. journey. Absolutely not. There are these two kind of ways in which you can undertake an investment in an opportunity zone through real estate or through business equity. And on the real estate front, it's very straightforward and clear. You buy a building, you improve a building, it's not hard. Okay. On the business side, things are a lot more cloudy. There's a lot more confusion. Treasury has to kind of iron out a bunch of details, but Treasury is closed. So there's a lot that's just sitting in limbo. You know, you have venture capital funds raising money for this, new funds that got invented entirely to take advantage of this. And they're just like, uh, okay, like, what? <laughs> they're just waiting. The timing here is important, I would think, right? We've had this 10-year bull market. It's obviously basically just ended. People have a lot of gains. They have a lot of cash that they want to put to work now after exiting other investments, right? It seems like a great time for this tax benefit. Exactly. If you have capital gains and you think that we're late cycle, which literally everyone thinks, it makes a lot of sense to take that out, to take profits, and then shelter it. Okay, it's so it's possible that the best thing that the government arguably has done in the last year or two is now being hurt by the shutdown because at the time when people want to be applying this law, they kind of can't do it entirely, at least not in the businesses as you described. Right. So it's funny because the business equity side, the venture side, that's ostensibly where you could actually help the communities of people that are already there. So if you go and you're like, hey, I have all this money. I want to invest it in something. You live here in this you know, downtrodden section of this town. Can I give you money? And that person's like, yeah, that's right. That's the side that actually could help people that run businesses that live in these zones. It's the real estate side that to my mind, at this juncture, seems poised to do the most harm, where you're going to displace people, raise their property taxes, you're going to actually disrupt these communities in a, in a kind of violent way. And, and that part is fine. That part's cruising along. A few months ago on this podcast, we went over the 40th birthday of the 401k, which was another actually small part of a tax law from the 1970s. And we talked about how it had really made a huge difference 40 years later, certainly much more of a difference than people had expected at the time. I I wanted to just ask you to look forward and think about in 20 years from now, even 10 years from now, looking at qualified opportunity zones, is this going to have really changed the narrative around development, even maybe around geography in our country? I think it will in many ways. The the problem is the, the program does sort of expire in like, I think it's 2047. But I just feel like there's so much excitement from the 
kind of platform provider perspective, people raising money for these things, people building funds to take advantage of this, that it does feel like there's kind of a huge uh, flood of money about to hit middle America. Which could be extremely awesome and could have vast ramifications and help restore some of the lost, you know, middle class in America. And the potential here is huge, is great. That being said, I'm not naturally an optimist <laughs> about this. It does it does feel a little... It's a tax break at the end of the day. It's a tax break. It's helping the wealthy take advantage of low-income neighborhoods. And, and that just... The history of America doesn't necessarily indicate that that's going to go great. Maybe it'll be different this time. Yeah, maybe. Thanks for joining us, Mary. Thanks for having me. You can read all of Mary's reporting about Opportunity Zones on Barron's.com. I'm Alex Yule. The show is produced by Meta Lutzhoff. The Readback will return next Wednesday.